We are two weeks into the Penn State football season, and while it's still early, there are some interesting trends that we can look at both offensively and defensively, and that's what we're going to do today on the BWI Daily Edition. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. Don't forget, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and if you were saying, well, T. Frank, I would, but you guys aren't on Apple Podcasts, that's not true anymore. We are now on Apple Podcasts. We have been for a while, so if you checked out for that reason, it's official. We are there now. Uh, also, if you want to see the full bells and whistles, everything that we do here on the BWI Daily Edition, subscribe to the YouTube channel that is Blue White Illustrated on YouTube. Okay, so Penn State football 2-0 so far this season, 10th in the AP uh, coat in the AP poll, and now we're going to take a look at some of the things that are driving that and some interesting trends. A lot of these are going to be offensive trends because that is the new side of the football for Penn State football. And we're still learning some things about what Mike Yersich wants to do offensively. And one of the biggest things that I've noticed through watching the film the first two weeks is uh, there are a lot of screens in this offense. And by the way, the stats today are provided by PFF, pff.com. You can check that out, Premium Stats 2.0. But here it is. Here's, here's a breakdown between last year and this year. And it is a dramatic one. You can see Sean Clifford last season through 30 attempts behind the line of scrimmage. This year so far, he's already up to almost 20. And if you look at the percentage of his total throws, last season, just over 10%. Now it's almost 30. So an, a dramatic increase in the amount of throws that are behind the line of scrimmage. And that's really how this offense works, seemingly, is it's it's very... It's very Big 12. It's either a short throw or it's a long throw. It's 20-plus yards or it's behind the line of scrimmage. There's not as much in between uh, in that 0 to 19-yard range. Now, there is still some even distribution in there, so it's not like there is nothing, uh, and that's probably the biggest change between this offense and la the last season in 2020 is that there is a more even distribution of passes both down the field and in intermediary and short. So there is a better dispersal, but a lot of it is coming in that screen game, that bubble game, outside of the numbers and, and and here's the thing too is that it's not all different screens Mike Yersich isn't afraid to run the same play over and over and over again so that is one thing if you're watching that on film and you're a defense you know what two or three of their staple screen plays are at this point now it's up to Mike Yersich and the Penn State offense to play off of that and make some big plays off of what you're expecting, but he is so far through the first two games of the season setting a foundation for what this offense is going to be, and a lot of it is get the ball into Parker Washington's hands. Get Jahan Dotson the ball. Let's not mess around here. Get them the ball in space and let them do stuff. So that has been a big change for Penn State football, putting more on the receivers and less on the quarterback. And so far, it's yielded better results. Now, one of the areas we've talked about this before, and this is in my film study of some of those deep passes, uh, both last week and this week over at Blue White Illustrated, bwi.rivals.com. If you're not a member yet, we're doing a bunch of great stuff. You can just go to bwi.rivals.com backslash subscribe, and you can get all the content that we've got from recruiting to film analysis to stories about the team, the inside scoop from Penn State football. We got all of it, and we're giving you tastes here on the BWI Daily Edition. Another little interesting nugget that we found, not just from the... Um, from the uh, statistical standpoint, but also I think schematically, Mike Yersich has shown he's not afraid to evolve what he does. Almost never used more than one tight end 
at Oklahoma. And a lot of times that guy was an H-back as well who lines up in the backfield or lines up at that sort of hybrid tight end fullback role. There were three tight ends on the field last week. He has multiple uh, two and three tight end sets. And last week he broke out a two running back set with both uh, Noah Kane and Kevon Lee on the field and later Devin Ford subbing in and you had a speed and power combination in the backfield and for all of you football fans out there that yearn for the yesteryears that is technically a 21 personnel two running backs there you go was it what you wanted no there was there still wasn't a fullback but you had Kevon Lee at 235 240 pounds lead blocking that feels like as close as you're going to get to a fullback so There is more creativity in this offense than we've seen in previous years. And one of the things, not just from a formation standpoint, but from a dispersal of positional uh, skills, is that last season, and I do think this was a big part of the pandemic, but it was a part of the offense, where Kirk Shiraka's offense was really just two receivers. It was two receivers, jumbo packages. Sometimes you bring in a sixth offensive lineman and you throw out of condensed looks. This, This offense is very different even though they got those three tight end looks, that's to take advantage of the talent. They are also putting two of those tight ends out into the formation. Brenton Strange has lined up primarily outside of the line of scrimmage, including at wide receiver. He's been lining up on the boundary a little over 10% of the time. So if you're looking at the dispersal of not just creativity in the offense, but where you're lining people up, it's not as predictable anymore. And this has had a good effect, I think, on Jahan Dotson, who not just in the screen game, but some of those intermediate routes, sometimes he's running those fake blocks and then jet uh, up the field to go get a, a deep ball. A lot of that stuff has been a little more creative, where last year he was lined up primarily at, at boundary receiver. That was it. He was winning and losing on the edge. Now he's got about 25% of his snaps coming from the slot. And part of that is the motion, and part of that is that's where he's lining up formationally to challenge the defense to put their best corner in the slot or to then play a slot receiver or slot defender on Jahan Dotson. So it is it is putting more stress on the defense, even though there are some more simple concepts of bubble screens and we're just going to count the number of players in the box versus the number of players that are out uh, at the receivers, and whichever one is lower, that's where we're going to go. It is taking advantage of numbers, space, and personnel, so that it is very much a comprehensive look at this offense, and something that you should, if you're a Penn State fan, be encouraged by, that even early on, while they're still learning the pieces of this offense and learning how to do everything in sync, it is going pretty well from a from a production standpoint. Uh, one thing that has been obvious, I think, so far through two weeks of the regular season. By the way, if you want to know about Noah Kane, because we're going to talk about Kevon Lee right now, there is a, a good section of my article today about Noah Kane and what we've seen from him through two weeks. But on the flip side, Kevon Lee is breaking tackles at an astonishing rate. Look at this. He's almost broken a tackle on every single run that this season. Now, some of this has come uh, at the sacrifice of yards. So there, there have been a couple of times I think he's cut one too many times in the backfield, but no matter how you slice it, even if you want to, you want to put a little bit of, uh, you know, critical eye on that. He is breaking tackles in the backfield to get positive yards. And when he's getting positive yards, he's breaking tackles to get even more. 
this is astonishing. This is a rate that I don't know can continue, but if you watch the way he runs, he's much more mobile this year. He was he was very linear in 2020 where he was very much one cut get up field, didn't have the wiggle to break tackles. This year, he is a much more athletic player. And even though he's bigger, he's moving better. He's got a a strong lower body that he's showing off uh with all these broken tackles. The one thing that Penn State is still lacking, and this is something that I said going back to the spring, is when you've got Noah Kane and Kevon Lee as your two lead backs, where are the explosive plays going to come from? And that is one big part of Mike Yersich's offense that you've seen when you set Chuba Hubbard in this offense is you need, uh, you can have an explosive runner to get gigantic big-time plays out of the running game. Only one rush so far has gone for more than 15 yards. That was Noah Kane in the second half against Wisconsin. Other than that, they've been churning out positive yards from that second half on through this last game, but they haven't really broken a big play yet. So we'll have to see if they're able to do that going forward or if that's the profile of these two guys is you're going to get yards, but you're never going to get those big-time plays, and then it's on the receivers and it's on the quarterback to make those big time plays happen through the passing game because explosive plays are a key part of Penn State's strategy as far as how they want to win games and this is another area where you can help out Sean Clifford of not making it all about him Jahan Dotson showed that he can do that as far as taking a screen to the house 25 yard touchdown uh, last week and then you've seen it again and again from him as a deep ball receiver but when it comes to the running game if you can get some of those then Sean Clifford it matters less that he went 20% on his deep passes against Ball State. If you're still generating explosive plays, that's the point, not necessarily that it all has to come from the quarterback. So that's an area where this offense still is learning and evolving, and we'll see if that does come at any point or if that's the profile. Now, that's the majority of the interesting trends that we've seen so far because this is the new side of the offense. Uh, This is the new side of the, the team is the offense. But there are, I think, some interesting trends on the defensive side of the ball, something I've been tracking for a little while now, and that has been coming from Brent Pry over time, but I think the personnel is right now to see a little bit of an evolution in the way he uses defensive linemen, and I'm also cheating here. So I'm going to say all of that and then tell you I'm cheating. If you look at this, Jesse Luqueta uh, has played half of a game at middle linebacker, so he's obviously going to have a lot more coverage snaps than if he was a full-time defensive end. But I do think this is indicative of something that Brent Pry has been doing over time. Last season, we saw Shaka Tony drop into coverage more. We saw Adisa Isaac drop into coverage more if he had been healthy this year. I think we would have seen that a little bit happening at defensive end, not just with Lucetta, but with both players. And I do think that even though this is inflated a bit by, by what Lucetta has had to do so far this season, this is going to be a trend. Nick Tarburton is a former linebacker. Zariah Fisher is a former linebacker. Jesse Lucetta is currently sort of maybe a little bit of linebacker. So even though he has he has made all of his phenomenal plays from the defensive end position, and I do think that you know he was good in that first half as far as his ability to cover the pass, he is a difference maker at that defensive end position, and he's going to be better if he's dropping from that position than if he is playing that Mike linebacker, which has much more of a heavy coverage responsibility, more so than get into passing lanes, disrupt things if you're a defensive end. But this is going to be a part of what Brent Pride does. They're not just going to be rushing four from the defensive line because there were two ways that Brent Pry got after the quarterback previously. Four down linemen, drop the rest in coverage, get pressure with just your defensive line. And then slowly over time, 
um, mixed in more blitzes. And, and that was the other thing. If he wanted to send pressure, he was sending pressure from key areas of the field on either delayed blitzes or if they wanted to overload and just send extra players. Now we're seeing a little bit more multiplicity up front. They'll run a three-down front where they have a true nose tackle. They'll have just two defensive tackles, and then both their edge defenders are standing up in that sort of outside linebacker look, even though they're, those are just defensive ends standing up. But they do then, from that position, have an easier time dropping, which allows for more zone blitzes. And this is where I think you're going to see a little bit more as we get throughout the season, some more packages where Lucetta is lined up at, at that Mike linebacker, but he's going to be blitzing up the middle. That is something we might see where then you can sneak an extra edge rusher onto the field, and then you got three guys coming after the quarterback, and you can drop somebody else, and then you have that zone pressure look where you don't lose as much, and you're still bringing pressure trying to overload a, spl- a spot and get a free rusher. So that's an interesting development that's been happening since uh, probably the last three years. We've seen this a little bit more from Penn State football. They got more of these hybrid guys on the way in the class of 21 and 22. So how that works out with their athleticism and whether or not they're true edge rushers or if they are those linebacker hybrids is going to kind of determine how much they use this in the future because Brent Pry has shown he will go with his personnel over just the scheme or just the system. So that's an interesting thing. And one thing that that will do, if you do get free rushers at the quarterback, possibly more sacks, and of course, a little bit less pressure on the secondary to hold up for an extended period of time. And they've been doing a very good job so far this year of when there is pressure on the quarterback and the quarterback has to move off the spot, they have been making plays on the ball. Jaquan Brisker and Jair Brown have been the headliners, but Daquan Hardy has also been doing a very good job from the slot and a guy that I was thinking maybe he might lose some snaps to some talented boundary corners coming into the program uh, through the transfer portal. He held his own. He won that job in camp and is now playing phenomenally. He was a very good coverage player last year. He's taken it up a a level and he's making plays on the ball. That interception uh, last week versus Ball State was textbook of how you're supposed to play that route. He got in front, made a great play. He's always had the ball skills and the coverage ability. Now he just has to prove against bigger, stronger teams that he can still hold up in the slot as a run defender. He's been doing a good job. But this will be a really big test coming up against Auburn. Is he going to be able to do that? Or is that going to be a another Wisconsin? You're seeing Curtis Jacobs on the field quite a bit. We're going to talk about that more this week here on the BWI Daily Edition. Of course, we'll have your uh, review with a uh, Auburn beat writer and or media personnel coming up later in the week. And coming up later today on Monday, we'll have the BWI live show where we're wrapping up what's going on. Uh, with putting a bow on the Ball State game and taking a quick look ahead at Auburn. All of that coming up here on Blue White Illustrated, either on our YouTube channel, Blue White Illustrated on YouTube, or if you want to check us out in podcast form, wherever you get your podcasts, it's Blue White Illustrated. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr of the BWI Daily Edition. We'll be back again tomorrow.